0: Sometime in the 13th century It was a sunny day in spring in County Durham as John Lambton young heir to one of the region's great estates and names strolled casually toward the water's edge of the Weir River as Others in the community could be heard behind him trotting along heading the opposite direction towards the church for regular Sunday mass John had ignored efforts to engage him in the fears of God, and what should have been his moments to repent. Alas, he had a passion for other things, most notably his skill with a fishing rod. And so, as the church bells rang out, John cast his line into the meandering waters of the weir. But unlike other times when his hook would be tugged almost immediately, John waited, and waited, recasting and trying as hard as he could, but nothing seemed to want to go near the young lambton's bait. Hours passed, and the skies seemed to be growing darker, just as, once again, the church bells rang out, at the exact same moment that John felt a pull on the line. It must have been a giant, he thought, as he wrestled with his catch nearly losing his fishing pole. A dark form was barely visible beneath the surface, until the final heave, John pulled with all his might, staggering back onto the rocks, and when he looked up, all he saw was a small, grotesque, inky black creature writhing on the ground. A strange feeling came over John, and not knowing quite what to do, an old man passing by was said to have told him an omen, that something evil would come if this small creature was not disposed of. Down the well it's tossed and seven long years go by as John Lambton fights for his salvation in the blood-soaked Crusades. Only to return to something that had not gone away. Something much, much larger. Join us on Into the Portal as we venture back to the Middle Ages and discuss theories, evidence, and folklore in search of a real monster. And an even more real curse. in the Lambden Worm, part two.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Amber A.
0: And I'm Andrew McKay.
1: Welcome back into the portal.
0: Your gateway to the bazaar.
1: We've got our part two all ready to roll for you guys. Our Lampton Worm series.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amber, you've got a certain way of saying worm. Worm! <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just you've got this certain roll off the tongue with really? the with the worms. Sounds like you can give. hear the y in it
1: versus the. Well,
0: o. we did spell it differently than I've seen others spell it, but I prefer that this sort of old English spelling, which it just seems more. I don't know, gives it a sort of a sinister, it's like, it's like the tale of the dragon with the Y, let's call it that, or the worm, if you will.
1: Actually, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, okay. welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Part two, Lamped yep. and Worm. We're mm-hmm. digging right back into this legend, this mystery, if you will, because I believe it's a bit of a mystery and mm-hmm. definitely not just a folkloric tale. But uh, happy post-Halloween, first yeah. and foremost. We hope because, everyone uh,
1: celebrated, had yeah. fun. Got a little spooky, hopefully, and uh, yeah. carve some pumpkins at the very least. You hope.
0: I, 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 you, I hope so because <sighs> you have to appease the spirits what? on All Hallows' Eve.
1: Yeah, and people laugh, but come on, man. Like, I mean, I think we were one of two people in our building that I mean, participated
0: on in... our side of the building. Anyway, it's at tough least, to be yeah. fair, but mm. I'm willing to wager that the other side that we couldn't see. 'Cause it's just out of the way. Didn't have many jack-o' lanterns.
1: The abysmal is what I'd imagine. Yeah. But anyway. But I wonder
0: just... what it was like where you guys are from. I mean, hit us up. Obviously it's a strange year to maybe have Halloween, so mm. we didn't notice a lot of kids out on the streets and stuff. We're in an apartment building, but
1: Well, my mom had about thirty kids and nice. she lives in a two-road town. Damn. And then I also talked to my boss and he got six hundred Kids in his neighborhood, and that's out
0: in like Calgary or something. Yeah,
1: right? it's like one of those like neighborhoods where people like drive their kids and drop them off. It's one like of the, the Kel Valley of of whatever Calgary neck of the woods. Every
0: for- place has it. The fancy neighborhood you go, yeah, yeah, full yeah, bars, yeah. right? The full fu- bars. the full bars neighborhoods. <laughs> well, yeah, we hope you guys all had an awesome Halloween. We uh watched a lot of horror movies. We ended up we didn't get through all the Halloweens or anything, but we watched a few.
1: I was watching. We more watched today. Did you good <laughs> on the job? God. Thank <laughs> you.
0: You got to keep it, you got to keep keep the good times rolling, right? <laughs> well, you
1: know. When you're doing spreadsheet type work you gotta have
0: something going in the <laughs> background <laughs> you have to have Michael Myers. <laughs>
1: well actually I watched um Halloween 3 season of the witch which is a very okay. strange spin-off, and I didn't get very far I only got about 15 minutes in before I got distracted but right it had not the classic Halloween that you were doing where it has like you know the and they redid it for like you know the Rob Zombie new yeah. ones and the remakes and all that yeah. but This had a really weird soundtrack, and it was John Carpenter that was more responsible for it, but
0: it was weird.
1: It was more like, you know, like that, like, strange, like, video game vibe from like you know like an arcade game from the 70s anyways it was weird
0: more into like the mid 80s they were using those sounds and stuff like that I mean, yeah anyways. i think that one
1: was from the mid 80s actually
0: so anyway I mean. we hope you guys got scared mm-hmm. we hope you watch some of those freaky movies we were gonna maybe consider doing it to chapter two on the show as a film friday not gonna happen Disappoint. little lackluster so Boom. we're not even gonna go there but right. maybe those may be some others that you guys watch for the first time Throw them mm-hmm. of us, give us some suggestions because we're going to try to get Film Friday back.
1: We want um, Film Friday back. Yeah, we've been actually debating. I saw on Prime they have a new thing called watch parties. Yes. So I was thinking, I don't know if this will align with our US listeners though. So I'm kind of concerned about that. We have to dig right. into it a little bit. We to use a proxy, but it would be cool. We could do literal Film Friday watch parties, yeah. and then we could do like a fireside chat after, and that'd, that'd be, be so, so fun. Sick. Love it. We got to figure it out
0: though. We got to figure it out. Okay. Let's get into a couple of things here. Before the Lambton, though, one more thing. We wanted to take a sec to welcome Christy to our Patreon community, mm-hmm. uh, who just joined us as a Cryptid Seeker. So thank you so much, Christy. That was awesome to see that. Amazing. Uh, thank you. There's some cool stuff. And actually, she ordered um, some stickers from the Etsy shop, too. That was amazing. So I threw cool. in a...
1: Well, we got patches in now, so I threw in a patch for her, too. Yeah. It's
0: pretty cool. So thanks a lot, Christy. And uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to hearing some of your ideas. Uh, cryptid Seeker does get you access to a bunch of bonus content and also some special ITP swag. So yeah, check us out on Patreon if you uh, haven't already so we can get closer to making this our actual day job (laughs) (laughs) podcast. Okay, let's get back to the Lambton worm. Part one was really us getting into the legend itself and some speculations around sort of the bizarre nature of the origins of this folklore tale with a little young Mr. John Lambton who meanders down to the River Weir on a Sunday when he's supposed to be at mass. And of course, this is the sort of the marquee uh aspect of the story that makes it sort of this this classic cautionary fable christian Mm. fable if you will but quick quick recap obviously he's the lord of the lampton estate so he's a well to do young man he's fishing when he shouldn't be he hauls out this awful putrid creature in some accounts he even uh vomits on the beach because on the side of the river because it is so awful Mm. he encounters a strange man who tells him some strange things he has he has right i mean it's peculiar what would you make of any of this right he's not he's not sure what to do with it he ends up throwing it down oh yeah this is this isn't modern days right with the blacked out windows in the van like hey john you shouldn't be talking to that guy this guy was giving him seemingly good advice right warns him about this creature and then of course we're left off with the lambton family cursed after John seems to ignore what's happening and goes off to fight in the Crusades, which is something we will recap in more detail and touch on as a, as a very, very real event to try to like draw some truth into this mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we left off with essentially this thing ravishing the countryside. Mm, a lot of
1: <laughs> frenzy of, of some uh, yeah, kind. Right. And it was interesting because you were, again, we've been reviewing a lot of the story itself and all these different versions and how there was there seemed to be, like we mentioned, there was a fondness for cow's milk, uh, mm-hmm. that this beast would, uh, would, would seemingly be, uh, appeased with. Right. And you also mentioned that, um, it seemed to be attacking for sport. There yeah. were bodies, like, there were corpses discovered, and some of them had just been drowned, and others just been torn apart, but not eaten, you know what I mean? Like, right. And, uh, again, right, like, a lot of the 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 victims, like the sheep and the cows themselves, too, were found in a similar state, which kind of begs the question: is it more like a beast of Dravidong type thing? Or That's right. Is it, uh, yeah. You know, is it something a little bit more along those lines, and not
0: totally? Like we brought that up off air, and it and we mm. forgot to kind of mention that in part one, just because it kind of we sort of read it as this classic like. Unlike something like The Black Shook, if you've listened to that episode we've done where it's basically straight killing for sport versus like a cryptid where it's like sucking the blood and the blood's gone. And it's like, well, why would it do that? That's a weird biological mm-hmm. thing, Chupacabra style or something like that. Yeah. We But yeah, we didn't mention that. Definitely worth mentioning. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah. There's all sorts of weird proclivities this creature seemed to have mm-hmm. including using its knife-like teeth to pierce the udders of its bovine victims <laughs> right. to drain them of their milk just their milk
0: I mean, their <laughs> I mean i mean presumably milk first you didn't want to contaminate it and then mm-hmm. you finish it off with a your you know the the full course i guess the mm-hmm. the steak the steak tartare if you will <laughs> the steak
1: tartare but I'm it thinking. is sort
0: of a bizarre thing like the milk i tried to find some associ- associations with that concept and evil the devil the or just you know like what is it with that like that seems strange right because obviously infants drink milk that's what this I, thing is yeah. not an infant anymore that's kind
1: of what i was thinking was like it's it's a very like pure substance right mm-hmm. milk white like you know there's lots of references and this to that thing is that the
0: opposite of that so it's maybe it's trying to become pure
1: or Ooh. no no or it's feeding off of the purity of right you know what i mean it's almost like a an extended metaphor kind of thing right. and then it's, it's growing and becoming stronger off of this milk it is a very weird metaphor if you think about it yeah. hey, like, almost like yeah you're saying like a baby growing as a result of the nourishment of his mother's milk versus like right. this beast predating on these villagers and basically usurping the the, the milk wealth <laughs> so to speak, milk milk wealth and draining them of their, you know, their uh, livelihood. They're
0: finite resources, Mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't just, there's no, there's no superstore down the road to get more milk. No, So this is a serious thing. You got to make your cheese before winter because otherwise Mm. you're not gonna have cheese for winter, which would just suck. But, Mm -hmm.
1: and another aspect too, that was interesting that you mentioned just before we sat down again, and I had seen this in other iterations too but the idea of the trough that was right. used at the castle itself and so this was a trough that was put out by lord lambton uh, john's father at the right. time so yeah. this is after john's left and so this would be almost like a community thing where it would be like people would just give what they could the offerings right so then this yeah the the, the beast would descend from the hill and go to the trough and get what it you know and i can't remember exactly there was like a specific amount of milk that had to be in there from like specific amount of cows anyway right and then there was
0: some speculation too that they would like tie an animal to the trough as well and like leave other mm. basically sacrificial things there and then I mean, presumably that would be the way in which they were sort of almost baiting it for these so-called knights while John was gone that were Mm -hmm. trying to come along and vanquish this thing. Mm -hmm. And not successfully, obviously, because it continues to proliferate and grow and devour everything in County Durham
1: exactly yeah because there were several references to neighboring knights that had come along and even just like brave villagers who had tried to vanquish yeah. this thing without any uh, success no and it's because they don't have the secret formula from the witch but <laughs>
0: okay <anyways. laughs> yes we'll get back to that don't you exactly
1: worry. <laughs> there's a lot to cover here though and uh, yeah like what what else did we want to really get into here there's
0: i mean we, why don't we just jump straight into some of the like proven some stuff about the lamptons and some of the research we did sure so okay. Obviously some of the main the main cruxes of this is, you know, whether or not John Lambton did indeed ex- well, exist in the way we're referring him to, go mm-hmm. down to the River Weir and catch this catch this strange creature. If that actually happened, then did he actually go off and fight in the Crusades, which we know is a very, mm-hmm. very real, horrific event happening over a series of, of decades and decades, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, That's all stuff we're trying to prove. And another thing I I think is worth mentioning is that we didn't include in part one was this idea that John was potentially feeling really guilty about what had happened, like, right off the bat. And Hmm. he was either running away, like, to the Crusades to get away from it or going to fight in the Crusades as a way of basically making up for not going to church that day, obviously, Hmm. right? Like, I missed church that day, so I'm going to spend seven years...
1: Seven long years. I mean, how
0: many other days of church did you miss? It must have been more than one because that's definitely a...
1: Well, I actually did see references to John being kind of like a frivolous sort of like non... Not of ill character, but just of like kind of like a not quite honorable. He you was know a I mean?
0: rapscallion. A
1: little bit. Yeah, exactly. He was a... Yeah, a scallywag. He was
0: sca- well, he's a, he's a, a pir- he's a pirate now. He is a
1: pirate <laughs> He's going off to find the pirate crusades. The pirate
0: crusades, <laughs> he different was one of the event. Sea
1: people, right? <laughs> I'm just anyway, we're off by about a thousand years. Off there. by a, yeah,
0: <laughs> just a hair,
1: just a hair, just a hair. But yeah, no, that's um that's interesting to bring John's character into the story again, and whether or not it was this event, the the actual worm event that spawned his sort of like wanting to go, or whether or not it was. Something else that spurred him—that like you know—I think it was his di- the disappointment of his father. I saw referenced in a few sources. You know
0: yeah, I mean? that'll do. So he it. just
1: like yeah, he wasn't living up to the family image. And
0: and and, I, and again, I just want to reiterate too, like the purpose of me mentioning this is that like in the at in the 1300s, when someone would be feeling very guilty for not going to church and going off to fighting <laughs> the Crusades and all this stuff, all of these things. W- might take away from there being a very real creature because it all does just get chalked up to these classic christian fables wow. it was this it Not was that
1: actually it could go the exact opposite of what you're saying like even how uh oh my gosh was it the boys over at Kryptonaut they were mm-hmm. saying that it could have been like a tulpa so maybe it was because <laughs> he was felt so guilty
0: it did come into existence <laughs> and then that's it was mark this, over there saying that i think w- yeah was yeah.
1: it or no wasn't it chris
0: Oh no! That's all, Mark. That's Mark's it? Yeah, oh, that. was it Mark? Okay. Oh yeah, shout out oh, okay. to Mark. Okay, sorry, sorry,
1: I got those two. Yeah, mixed up. Yeah, but <laughs> I thought it was Chris because he's all very. Chris is
0: never down he, for that I, that at all. That's I'm pretty true, sure Chris yeah. is. And, and shout out to Kryptonod because they're obviously <laughs> awesome, great, amazing show. There Love those guys. Highly I'm pretty sure Chris's <laughs> summation of this was literally just no. I think that's what he, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. I listened to their episode a little while a little while back in in preparation for this as well, and I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Just no, just just no, just that's
1: no. where I'm at a lot of times. So I don't blame him. No,
0: you are very much aligned with with Carnicelli for sure on a lot of on a lot of those things.
1: Carnicelli, Scully, me, Boom. right, perfect trifecta. They should
0: there. someone should do a poster of the three of you as the skeptic team. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, on the. Other side of the skeptics, or well, maybe on the side of skeptics who are looking for real evidence, like, we did manage to at least find, I mean, definitely references to to John and his family, who were indeed real, and Lambton Hall is a real place. Yeah. It's really their accolades that are hard to distinguish, right? Mm. And very much like anything in the Middle Ages, like King Arthur and Sir Lancelot, like, I mean, this mm. is a little more true than that, but... Yeah. In the same vein, there's a, so to speak, right? There's a
1: little more meat on the bones. So there's
0: a, a little care. more meat on the mm-hmm. bones. So there was this guy, a uh, Mr. Robert uh, oh, So yes. Why don't we get into that?
1: I think, yeah, that's definitely important to mention because this... We actually referenced his work in part one, but we didn't actually mention my name, I don't believe. No. But he is a pretty important figure here, and he dug up a lot of information on the Lambton family, and of, like, he was basically, like, a local historian, folklorist, and genealogist to a large degree. Yeah. So he was born in 1779 in Mainsforth, Durham, and devoted himself to the study of local history, antiquities, collecting up these stories, local accounts, and things like that, a lot mm-hmm. of it folktale-related, including this one of the Lambton worm. And he published four volumes, and it was uh, it was called The History and Antiquities of the County palatine of durham it, it still to this day is very extensive um, it's, it's it's extensive it's very highly regarded mm. and it's referenced in quite a lot of other works too. right right and uh he actually died before the last uh volume was published in 1840 there, but he died in 1834. And after he died, there was actually a society erected to memorialize him called the Surtees Society. And it was with the express purpose of publishing ancient, unedited manuscripts that were relevant to the local history of Durham County. Yes. And there are these interesting things that are referred to in various publications around this time and and he was the one that was largely responsible along with his colleagues of collecting these things mm-hmm. called oh what was the name of it now it was these manuscripts they're unnamed but they're basically genealogy records
0: right right
1: yeah and so him and his pal Sir Cuthbert Sharp who we did reference I believe in part we did. one he and um see we use another contemporary of Sir Tees they did a lot of work gathering much of this local lore regarding this tale and of the families themselves. Yes. And there's another author by the name of Henderson who published in the late 1800s who we're going to reference as well um, a little bit further in this episode today.
0: Yes, but okay. it's
1: interesting because a lot of um, the one connection, I'll say, that these local historians and folktale purveyors had in common was a reference to this particular order known as the Order of Rhodes that existed in the middle of medieval ages and actually in the um, like early modern periods, actually. Yeah,
0: it went for a long time.
1: It did, and it came about during the First Crusades in the late... 1100. Like around 100. 1100. Ten hundreds. How do you say that?
0: thousand The end of know. the thousands? <laughs> I, I mean, say
1: 100s, that, that doesn't like, roll
0: off. Sense. It doesn't roll off the tongue like saying 1100 <laughs> AD does I know, right? It you can't say that. Or CE or whatever. Yeah. Right?
1: They like existed in various locations in and around the uh, Mediterranean area, in the near east, even on the island of for a certain amount of time, uh, up until the late 1800s, I
0: believe. Yes.
1: But this order of Rhodes is interesting in relation to our story today because we have a knight by the name of Sir John Lampton, so this is significant because why, Andrew?
0: Well, it's interesting because this order has its own legend of a very similar monster who is said to have terrorized the village of the what well, the town of Rhodes uh, with its so-called uh, quote unquote, impenetrable scales and a lashing, whipping, deadly tail. And other very similar comparisons to the lambton worm and other worms of the UK, preying on livestock, pets, even allegedly uh, young children and shepherd boys were reported missing from the area uh, at the hands of this bizarre entity. So very much like the questions we're asking today for the lambton worm, was this creature a demon, some sort of shapeshifter, a very real biological predatorial entity of some kind taking the young? But here's where it gets Mm -hmm. interesting. And and obviously, the the main piece here, too, is that Sir John Lampton, who goes off to fight in the Crusades, is associated with this this order that mm-hmm. lasted for, for over 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we still don't know the exact origin of the Lambton stories, either. It's hard to pin down. We're talking late 1300s, but still, it's tough to pin down. Here's where this gets interesting with the Order of Rhodes. In the period after the Order of the Knights of Rhodes was founded on the island, which is in... Greece, uh, correct? Yeah. It was said to have been ravaged by this enormous creature that was also semi-aquatic, living in the bogs and wetlands at the foot of a place called Mount St. Stephen. Mm -hmm. This was supposedly roughly two miles away from the city of Rhodes, and like I already said, devouring sheep, ripping cattle to shreds when they came to uh, drink water. And again, shepherd boys found maimed (laughs) and mercilessly slaughtered
1: (laughs) (laughs) or just missing
0: (laughs) or just gone and you people i guess caught on to what was happening pilgrims who were actually visiting the chapel of saint stephen uh had to put their lives in harm's way it was rumored because they may or may not have been devoured by this possible dragon before they actually had the chance to climb the hill itself and it got to the point where very much like lambton several brave knights had to make an attempt to kill this creature But it was said to have such hard, impenetrable scales that everyone failed. And it's sort of a classic narrative, right? Archetypal hero narrative. They're waiting for the one, I guess you might say. (laughs) Um, But then, of course, there is one. One of the Order of Rhodes' own knights who ends up vanquishing this beast. And then allegedly its head, the very real head of a real creature, was Mm -hmm. supposedly displayed on the gate of the entry to the city and was reported by historians as, as being actually seen up until the 17th century. Hmm. Now, are they just replacing this head with the head of a strange looking mangled horse or something <laughs> to make it, it seem like, right? Or I whatever? This or like, is like
1: Oliver Cromwell's head. The Two head point. of
0: a, <laughs> right? it's It's like Oliver Cromwell's head, but it's the head of a dragon. Yeah. You can't take a photo, you can't snap a picture. So anybody who's even drawing this stuff, it's like, whoa. It's all wild speculation anyway. You could have just drawn it. Like, damn. Knows, could have drawn right? it? What
1: do you mean drawn it?
0: Like like if you were just there and like, I saw it. Well, prove it. Well, look, I drew oh, a picture of it. Like you can't, you can't. Just, there's no way to prove it, right?
1: <laughs> so <laughs> right? it goes like, around. Yeah, exactly. So it would spread quick, quickly and um, yeah. it, would, it would be hard to corroborate.
0: And I love how you put in here,
1: da heck. Da heck?
0: <laughs> like, because there's not really much else to say to that. That's pretty crazy. Well, if I know. it was know. on there until the 17th century.
1: Yeah, there's very there's a lot of interesting parallels to the Lampton legend, hey? Um, I yeah. really like this story. There's a lot that kind of adds to what we're talking about today, but it also conflates and pro- pro- it could potentially be a conflation, right? If John was a member of this order, comes home after fighting the Crusades... This order came around during the first Crusades. However, this reference states that it, is it actually moved around quite a bit. We should mention that because mm. the, this particular order had several locations. Initially, when it was actually founded, it was headquartered in the kingdom of Jerusalem up until 1291, supposedly. And then it went to the island of Rhodes. And this was in the early 1300s. Right. Up until the mid-1500s.
0: And this is where the aspect of the, the monster and then its creation and then John, like you just said, like it it could be a little out of order or things could cancel each other out or what have you because the uh, 1291 time frame could mm-hmm. potentially line up with a very real John Lambton going away for seven years to fight mm-hmm. in the Crusades and that this story isn't at the end of the 1300s. We're maybe off by a little bit here potentially just because... Some of the references to John going to fight in the Crusades claim that he goes uh, to, to, to like, to Palestine and, like, to mm-hmm. some of these classic places. And when I looked it up for the time frame for the monster, st- for the story in the 1300s, it doesn't necessarily line up with the Crusades in those exact places at that time. It had been taken back control by Muslim faction, by Islamic factions, hmm. yada yada yada, and then there was maybe some more battles and stuff after that. But it's just tough to line everything up with that. But I do think that John was a real person that did go away. It's just, it's, it's just tough to say when and but, how and where. Yeah, but but you could have heard this story too.
1: There's some ambiguity, definitely, yeah. It, it, the interesting aspect is that he was a part of this order. Yes. And like this particular order and these knights of Rhodes had their own beast that roughly does parallel a lot of what happened here. Like even it does. Like even the idea of, well, they don't include the milk aspect, but maybe there wasn't a lot of cows over there. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe it was goat's milk and we just didn't hear about it. Maybe, maybe. Actually, no, it did say devoured sheep and cattle, so there is reference to sheep and cattle, so there would be been milk around. But... Um, also the idea of these covered in impenetrable scales, that is interesting to me. The only thing that's missing in this story that I'd like to dig into further would be just how this beast was slain. Was it similar to the sort of rigmarole that John had to go through in order to slay this thing? Because he had to go through quite a bit. And like, that thing was like regenerating all over the place. Like he had to, anyways, we we got into that in the first episode here. So it was like... There's a lot going on, so I'm curious about this Dragon of roads and quite honestly, I think he probably would have been aware of it. What do you think? What are the what are the probabilities that he would have
0: I do think so he could have I,
1: transplanted this story? You know what I mean? I think or it's someone like, in his family.
0: Yeah, I mean it's either it's either that and then it's like, I mean, why do you bring that back? It's just like I guess maybe you're a great storyteller you want to scare people you want to be the purveyor of this weird legend and have it associated with you if it isn't if it isn't true and maybe mm-hmm. john's the one perpetrating this 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 myth if you will or this legendary mm-hmm. creature i don't necessarily know if that's true i think being it it being the middle ages it being the 1300s and just gen, generally a horrible time to be alive for most people and the certain yeah. things people believed and understood i think that if anything he would have maybe heard about it known about cr- these types of creatures from his fellow knights in the order and the crusades and when he went back maybe believed more of what was actually happening you know what i'm saying so like he leaves not knowing what's going to happen the countryside ends up getting ravaged by a so-called beast maybe he ends up learning some more about these types of creatures goes back and then knows to go talk to the witch and is just a little bit more up to speed on the matter, I guess. Like, I don't even know. Like <laughs> He's um, got
1: a little bit more knowledge <laughs> of I, I mean, the, the way things are done. and And, and also other. feeling
0: filled with the glory of God from, you know, oh. being on the Crusades and all this stuff. I mean, that's exactly mm-hmm. what these guys were getting out of it a lot of the time, right? They thought mm-hmm. they were going and doing this the whole the, the work of the lord right
1: yeah yeah taking back jerusalem the kingdom of christianity and all that kind of thing right yeah no that's 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 an interesting point to make
0: so i don't know i, yeah. I honestly don't know but it was an interesting connection to the lambtons that's just that's mm. that's there and just monsters in general yeah so it lends credence to the idea that oh shit maybe the, maybe the poor people of county durham and river river weir are uh we're really in tough uh, for for a hot sec there in the Middle Ages, and it's not just being afraid of the devil.
1: Do you find yourself suffering from negative thoughts or feelings that are getting in the way of your personal happiness and achieving your life goals? If so... Perhaps it's time you check out BetterHelp online counseling services. BetterHelp.com is there for you with licensed professionals that are specially matched to you and are available worldwide and remotely, all in a safe and private online environment. Seeking help and finding the right person to talk to should be easy, and that's exactly what BetterHelp.com has done. You can begin communicating with a licensed professional in 24 hours, all through your preferred methods of communicating, including secure video or phone sessions, plus online chat and text with your therapist. You can trust that anything you share with your therapist remains completely confidential, and if you feel the need, you can change counselors at any time for no additional cost. BetterHelp has licensed professionals who are specialized in everything from depression, anxiety, family conflicts, and many other areas that may not be available locally. Best of all, it's truly affordable. Into the Portal listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code PORTAL, spelled P-O-R-T-A-L. So why not get started today? Join over 1 million other individuals and go to betterhelp.com portal. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that can make a difference in your life. That's betterhelp.com portal. So there's a lot of strange things, a lot of bizarre connections going on here. Mm-hmm. And like I already mentioned off the top of the episode... There was another one I found in another uh, 19th century historical work called Notes on the Folklore of the Northern Counties of England and the Borders. This was by uh, William Henderson, and it was published in around uh, 1866. And in it, uh, Henderson refers to many different legends involving dragons, worms, all sorts of creatures, including the Lambton Worm. And he also refers to the Lamstons themselves the Lambdons. Sorry, I can't talk today.
0: <laughs> All good.
1: And he does refer to them as a notable family in County Durham, an ancient one of pedigree dating well before the 12th century and uh, having held and been in powerful positions long in antiquity. So quite a lengthy history and one that kind of trails away, right? It's kind of one of those breadcrumbs, where you don't really know where it kind of ends Yeah. From. But he also talked about the, the manor, the castle in which they lived in, the park grounds, is extensive grounds, and they extend all along. The, I think it was the, was it the northern bank of the river? Is anyways, it was one of these banks, and it was just sounds like such a pleasant place. And <laughs> even details yeah. how um, I think it was in the seventeen hundreds that old original castle from the medieval times was replaced by this new existing manor house. Now,
0: For sure. Yeah, so yeah. he's
1: very like you know, it's it's not a lot of like monsters all the way through, but he's very thorough, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But his
1: entry in the book on the Lampton case in particular goes on to detail an account of the legends. He lays it all out very, you know, it's very thorough again. And then he also goes on to speculate on the curse and, and the evidence uh, that he and other contemporaries of his found in these old pedigree manuscripts. So this is interesting. That was what I was referring to when I couldn't think of the word. Pedigree. It's a pedigree manuscript. Right. Not a genealogy, but it basically is that, right? And these are found, like, all over England, right? Like, they're just in old trunks in people's attics, and they're just, like, things that have been passed down from antiquity. It's really cool. It is really cool. So when you find one of these, there's not a lot of, like, dates. There's not a lot of ways to really verify them other than using other manuscripts. And that's where the surtee Society comes in as a very important... Like pivotal role in in collecting all these and and amalgamating. Imagine them and the mysteries them.
0: that you can find when you get cross referencing such old ancient yeah, things. It's very pretty
1: cool. interesting. And then a lot of a lot of old relatives probably are like, oh, I'm related to this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all coming
0: this, coming out of the worm work, yeah. p- pun in <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh man! But this particular pedigree manuscript that was in a, quote unquote a possession in the possession of a family in Milton was actually unearthed by. Sir Cuthbert Sharp. So, the, again, another reference to Cuthbert over there. Indeed. But yeah, it's interesting because this was very brief. All it did was speak of a John Lambton, Knight of Rhodes, who defeated, quote, Ye Worm. So it says here, this is uh, just a little, little brief little thing, quote from the actual book. It says here, the exact date of the story, he's referring to the Lambton legend, is of course uncertain. Sir Cuthbert Sharp appends it to the following entry from an old manuscript pedigree, lately in the possession of the family of Middleton of Offerton. And it says here, John Lambton, that slew ye worm, was knight of Rhodes and lord of Lambton, after ye death of Fower brothers, which is, this is all just kind of like weird old English, Mm -hmm. sans estu mal, Anyways, and it kind of goes on to, like, talk about, he goes into speculate about these nine ascending generations that were cursed, and we pulled up a little bit of um, what we were able to find on that, too. So crazy, though, hey? It's just another really obscure reference, and I love the way, I can just picture in my head this old, dusty, like, manuscript thing that they, like, unravel, and it's got all these, like, really beautiful, archaic-looking characters and things, Mm -hmm. and you have to, like, Anyways, it's an art putting all this together. Absolutely.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, people have entire, you know, special PhDs in in dealing with this kind of stuff. And part of what was unearthed in in a lot of this is what we did mention briefly Mm -hmm. in part one, but I just want to re summarize here, Mm -hmm. which is the curse then taking effect. And I think that's a perfect transition because like you said, it goes on, this paragraph you just read from goes on to address the nine generations so on and so forth. And it seemed to be very, very real, at least to some. And at first glance, you might not think that, but the very first the very first death is the one that kind of kicks it off. And to me, it's like if the first death was a little bit more mundane, you might think differently. Gener- uh, Robert Lampton, who was quite young at the time, I do not have the exact age right here, drowned hmm. at Nurig. And a lot of people drown. That's not completely ridiculous mm-hmm. but it's definitely not normal per se I mean how many people do you know that have drowned like I don't know any you know I mean like yeah. it happened a lot do back then I'm sure there's no swimming, swimming lessons down at the Y but that's definitely like
1: how old was he yeah was, he, was he a child not was an he, infant but okay. but
0: definitely like so even so like yeah if you're a, 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 a teenager or a grown man say you should probably not swim mm-hmm. for one but that that's very curse like to okay. me a drown in mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. The second uh, being uh, Sir William Lambton, who was allegedly a, uh, a colonel of foot, as it's described. Hmm. And he was killed in a, the Battle of Marston Moor, which was a, was a real military event. Colonel of foot. I tried to kind of figure that out. It. I, I don't have an exact definition for that, you guys. It, it seems to be that he was in a higher ranking command, but still involved with, like, foot infantry, right? Like, you're a colonel <laughs> on was- your feet, I guess. Like, you're on you're front line in it, basically.
1: Don't quote me on this, but I think this was happening for the the second and third deaths. I think this was happening during the Loyalist Wars. I saw a Is that reference to that, and I can't remember. There's so many friggin' wars over England oh, back remember. in those days. It was, was never it, ending. It was in the service of one of the kings. I think it was Edward or something. I don't right. Know, don't quote me like that. And this of said,
0: course, it's like, okay, well, you're fighting in battles, and it's not. I mean, presumably, like a lot of people die. So, like, that's not necessarily. An out-of-the-ordinary death, but nevertheless, Mm -hmm. another death. Mm -hmm. There's the third one, which is yet another William in the family, another William Lambton later on, who dies in another battle, the Battle of Wakefield. I believe that was his son. And the question for me is how exactly are the deaths happening? We don't have those details. We just have they died at Wakefield. Well, did he die from, like, running into battle, tripping on a rock, falling face first, and getting, like, a sharp stick through the head? Because that's definitely cursed if that's what happened.
1: (gasps) I wish I had... Oh, you know know what I'm saying? No, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just to add to that, yeah, because I'm pretty sure this third one, uh, uh, the second William Lambton, right? I did have a little bit more meat on the bone for that, and I can't remember because I didn't. That's okay. We can circle
0: back to that if you wanted to check. Yeah,
1: well, I don't know. I can't remember which source that was in. It was one of the books I was reading through, but okay. Yeah, no, I think he was. It was very. It was a strange way to go. It was like as if he had almost made it through the entire battle, and then it was all of a sudden just like last minute or something. But I don't like, I can't remember the exact details now. So.
0: Right. But
1: it was kind of a funny one. Anyways, okay, yeah. well,
0: whatever. We can maybe circle back to that. Presumably, after this though, the succeeding generations after the third here had a little bit more luck. They were able to at least survive a little bit longer. But we still don't know how they died. Like if it was peacefully mm-hmm. in their beds, like the curse said they wouldn't so maybe you still died at an older age and it's like less oh wow that's classic curse of the lamptons but it could have still been awful we just don't know true and it wasn't necessarily oh, wow. as profound to write it down like the ninth one which is probably the most cursed in my opinion. Did you have something to say on that matter?
1: I do, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, do you want to... I
0: mean, I'll just... sure. I can Give
1: give the Coles Notes here and then I have a connection. Okay,
0: great. So Coles Notes, ninth generation, Henry Lambton, he dies tragically while crossing the Lambton Bridge on June 26th, 1761 as he plummets... Into the water and drowns. I am pre- i
1: think it was a new bridge too, if I'm not mistaken. It was
0: great engineering, guys.
1: <laughs> you know, it was like that uh overpass they did over here in West
0: <laughs> Oh, the yeah.
1: <laughs> it took like four months and it actually crossed.
0: Yeah, crazy. Yeah.
1: I'm um, okay. You know what's funny? We do have quite a gap here between the third and the ninth. Yes. I will say this though, in the reference, I can't remember who was Henderson that mentioned this when i i think it was henderson in his notes on the folklore account and he was talking about how by the time henry came around everyone locally was like looking at him like <laughs> Not gonna meet a good end, buddy. Right, and they're all looking at him like, "How's it gonna happen?" Hmm. And they just so there was, was a lot of of uh, a weight put on this curse. It wasn't as if like people forgot about it.
0: And how so, oppressive would that be? You know what I mean? It's like if everyone in the community like believes it just as much as the family does, and it's just yeah. like almost like it reinforces it as a very real thing. There would almost be this this aura around the, the, the area of County Durham, if people mm. genuinely believed all this was real, of mm-hmm. just kind of evil vibes, if you will. It's, it definitely mm-hmm. would not be the most pleasant place, especially yeah. in the late 1300s, just pestilence and death and putrid streets and no, like, entertainment or sanitation or generally good times in at all.
1: <laughs> there was not a lot of jovial times. You could back. go hang
0: out with your sheep. <laughs>
1: yeah and watch no, if the, you were
0: watch the sunset
1: if, if nothing bad was happening to you with that particular moment, that was a good
0: moment. <laughs>
1: you know it's right. not like anything great was happening, like you got like a bag no. full of candy for Halloween or something
0: like that. candy but. did not exist,
1: yeah, yeah no i I can't find that. I pulled up, sorry, I just pulled up again the that that reference here. it said here, um. This is a quote from Henderson in his uh, notes on the folklore of the Northern Counties of England Borders. Okay. But he says here, the violent deaths of some are recorded in history. Sir William Lambton, uh, yeah, like you said, a Colonel of the Regiment of Foot in the service of Charles I was slain at Marston Moor. And his son, William, as a as gallant a royalist as his father, it's not a loyalist, a royalist, sorry, uh, right. received his death wound at Wakefield at the head of a troop of dragoons in uh, 1643. So those are two that were, yeah, described by him. Okay. And then I thought he did include here. Doesn't look as if he did include. It must have been a different reference I, I had uh, pulled up there with the ninth, Oh, here, you know what he... Actually, did include it. Sorry. (laughs) So, it says here, And it was to that Henry Lambton that the old people of the neighborhood used to look at with great anxiety, marveling whether the curse would hold good to the end. He died in his carriage crossing the new bridge at Lambton on the 26th of June in 1761. Popular tradition is clear and unanimous in maintaining that during the period of the curse, no Lord of Lambton ever died in his bed. So popular tradition is clear and unanimous, is how he states it. <laughs> but he doesn't actually go on to, to say beyond the ones that we've already listed here.
0: <laughs> wow. So none of them.
1: Exactly. So it was of, of tradition, of local knowledge, that none of them died. So Definitive. we just don't have those missing accounts, though, which is really frustrating.
0: The ones that could, they could have even been the most gruesome. Right? Who knows? I don't know. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty weird. Pretty dark. I mean, it is only the day after Halloween, so that's okay. I think it all fits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think we're ready to start to get into some some thoughts and theories on what the hell is going on here. Let's do it. And that's a perfect segue because the first thing I wanted to bring up is where did this beast come from? Where did this curse come from? And was it hell itself? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it sort of sounds that way. And of course, we've said this a million times. I'm a bit of a broken record, but going back to the beginning the idea of the act of john lambton fishing of course skipping mass as well as being this generally rebellious youth does this alone fit the motif of him uh, being susceptible to the devil coming in and misguiding him or misguiding john or maybe not the devil that's sort of a blanket term but an entity a demon
1: of sorts yes
0: an element something evil Mm. as we would say quote unquote right Mm -hmm. uh and obviously, there's some discrepancies with the certain. There's there's a few discrepancies I wanted to point out here too, because I feel like there's some dubious things happening in the story with the old man and whether or not he is indeed an old man giving John good advice, or if he's kind of just nudging nudging it along, or if he's the one giving good advice. And there's the the I mean, he does go to a witch, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird too. It's like you not go, later though. But here, but okay, but like I'm I'm just gonna skip right to that because it's like you literally go away to fight in the Crusades because you feel bad about what's happened you didn't go to church that day Mm -hmm. you encountered this putrid creature that you don't really know is proliferating into this giant monster that's going to massacre the village you're from but you come back from this godly mission and instead the first thing you do is go to essentially like a pagan practitioner in the woods rather than
1: a priest a priest or
0: or someone else
1: that and this is something that actually, to... like,
0: Rob Murphy brought up in the episode mm-hmm. of Kryptonaut. And mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's a poignant remark yeah. mm-hmm. because it's like, well, yeah, you literally just spent seven years fighting for God, his mission. And then you come back, and the only thing that you can do to deal with this is essentially go to what was at that time regarded as the devil's work. And pagans were being mm-hmm. pushed out. It was all the symbolisms of of what they would used to be depicting as, like, you know... Whatever animals and different things like that. Now, as the gargoyles on the on the castles and on the cathedrals and stuff to scare people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so I will say this too. Like we were referring to this lady as a witch, but there were other references that I referred to as a sibyl, which is more of like a seer. Or um, an oracle. Right. So that could maybe be a different interpretation of
0: it. And that's just me, like, and again, like, but it's... But
1: that's a good point to make, though. Yeah, like, and
0: it's, like, not to discriminate against witches, right? Because obviously, like, back in the day, like, in, you know, the, the high point of the witch trials and stuff like that, it's it was people who were, like, herbalists, doc, you know, like, mm-hmm. essentially, like...
1: Closer to nature. Yeah, closer to mm-hmm. nature
0: hippies, basically. They were hippies. <laughs> yeah, okay. And including people who, who potentially were clairvoyant or or could, were seers, like, very much like today. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah,
0: that's, that, that is worth noting. I think,
1: yeah, that's actually really funny, and going back to your, the generally rebellious motif and the idea of the devil coming and being attracted to that, hell yeah, that's totally, like, I buy that 100%. Yeah. It didn't take much, it literally, like, you know, back in the day... I feel like you could just, like, tie your shoes wrong and the devil's going to come after you. <laughs> or you forget to, like... Tie
0: your shoes wrong, yeah. <laughs> Actually, though, Like, well, people yeah. thought
1: they were very susceptible to these forces, definitely. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's... that's an, yeah, I like that
0: point. Another thing, too, I, I had to mention, like, just to build off of that and continue on our theories here, mm-hmm. is could those ideas we just talked about, something coming in, something taking advantage of a, a young, susceptible, rebellious John have to do with the area itself and things that happened before. So I did a little pull-in, hmm. some research on more of Durham's history. And very much like a lot of the UK, it's pretty haunted. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of curses, hauntings, poltergeists, okay. strange activities. I was literally
1: just going to say, I was like, what if this worm was John's poltergeist? Right. That he actually brought into being as a youth, right? Because the ten- generally they do... Uh get attracted to that type of energy
0: i'm loving it Mm -hmm. you're totally vibing off what i'm leaning at here because Hmm. could this quote-unquote sort of what is perceived to be a real entity that was that had you know attacked livestock and then cursed the Lambton family be a part of some sort of like continued haunting or something of this like something like this Mm -hmm. because obviously this is the middle ages as well and it's just constant death like non-stop the mid 1300s was the height of the bubonic plague the black plague it would have been hmm. you know we talk about haunted houses and places where massacres happen being like you know where the veil is, is thin for things to creep through yeah this would definitely be that case like
1: it really she- okay that's, that timeline's a little too far though because the crusades ended at the end of the like 1200s
0: true i'm just saying that like we still don't know when we- i know but i know that but we were mm-hmm. talking about john in the early crusades potentially or in the mid crusades and then this story is talked about as like either the 1300s possibly early like that's just that we don't actually know the dates mm-hmm. i mean but if, the, it, but you can just declare the dates
1: of the crusades because you know definitively when those those happened. happen <laughs> yeah th- those are the
0: ones we can only work with as definitive <laughs> and if we dates. and if
1: we rely on the story's narrative that says john went away to fight in the Crusades, that means it has to be, the story has to be within that's that timeline true. of that's when true. the Crusades occurred. I guess so I'm, this is a little too late. I guess,
0: I guess what I'm trying to say with this is like, even before this then, it's like, okay, mid, early 1300s UK wasn't exactly a nice place mm-hmm. full of life and love and awesome stuff. No,
1: no, I know that. Yeah, don't so wait. No.
0: It, it, so that, that's what I'm, that's all it's I'm trying to. It's building up to the big That's store. all I'm trying to, to hammer home here. <laughs> because there's obviously these other like, associations with this, the well becomes infected by this mm-hmm. creature when John throws it in. That's a interesting aspect to it, unless it's that's... literally just a vile creature that's, like, decaying down there, but it doesn't, it grows, mm-hmm. because there was some, there, we didn't include this in part one either, like, the idea of people then continuing to drink from the well after yeah. John leaves, yeah. and they're getting violently ill, they're getting sick, they have these horrible symptoms because of the uh, black, inky substance that was, Hmm. secreted from its skin mm-hmm. on the riverside. That
1: sounds like a weird, like, um, what does that remind you of? Like, almost like a squid-like, you know what I mean? Like, when, yeah, like, or like uh, aquatic things, like squid-like things are emitting, whatever. Yeah. Or what if it's literally the rotting limbs that have been chopped off and that it regenerated because it's been attacked so many times. And, or maybe it's all the rotten, um, putrid, like, just bodies of all the things that it's killed and it just, like, has all this, like, this massive pit of... Rotten corpses and things, and you know, right. I, just, I don't know.
0: The other thing oh, that no, I know that reminds me. <laughs> <you>. Sorry, <laughs> this reminds me of the
1: Elisa <laughs> Lamb, the whole like you know when people were drinking Ooh. out of that uh, yeah, not nice. water tank, and that water was like brownish black.
0: Not not it was, nice. You know,
1: rotten shit.
0: Not
1: just <laughs> <laughs> <It was> rotten <wrong laughs> things. Not, not... Sorry.
0: <laughs> hey, I already draw. Right. <laughs> it's all good. The other thing I wanted to point out though, nine holes on the head of the creature that were pointed out in the description. Right, we from we talked about there being nine holes on the sides yeah nine generations of curse Hmm. just sort of a funny can you know yeah actually just sort of coincidence that that's sort of interesting and then this question of who applies the curse how does this curse actually come about because if this is a either a real creature which we're going to get into in a sec great but how does it curse the family then if it's a, a, an entity taking advantage of a situation is th- it's that's the curse already in and of itself it doesn't then apply a curse to the rest of the the family if john doesn't mm. do a certain thing so is it the witch that applies no, the curse I, I or is feel she like just it's, reporting it's,
1: it i i kind of a, of the mind that bec- this creature is not just a straight monster right it's some sort of magical element associated with it as well and the curse itself i believe was set as soon as john pulled it out of the river so the the creature is the curse itself but then if you don't deal with your problems in the right way you're gonna be cursed for a lot longer of a time i think is the analogy you can draw from that right deal with your problems early and they don't (laughs) Get that big, and right. then you have a massive problem to deal with. And if you don't deal with that problem correctly, then you're going to have a huge windfall for nine generations. <laughs> if you think about it like that, you know what I mean. Like, because if he didn't slay the worm, then it would just go on right for yeah. endless amounts of time, right? Until, like, you know what I mean. Like, what if? Okay, this is an interesting question, actually. What if the curse itself? It is beset on the Lamptons, but it's more so John's curse that he is basically successive generations inherited.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: what if John never got a chance to kill the worm and he ended up dying before that? And Then what? You know what I mean? I'm curious because we've never actually seen the story like John was the only one that could have killed it. Like the one kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it almost seems that way. Unless it's literally just because he's the only one that takes the time to go and see the get
0: the advice of the, yeah, exactly. of the, of the seer who's of the
1: oracle of the witch or whatever. And then we'll they call design it.
0: that special armor with the spikes. Yeah. Obviously, right?
1: There's a lot of different angles you could take with that. But I am of the mind that the curse, the worm itself is a physical manifestation of the curse.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then
1: one if you don't kill in the right way. And deal with it in the right way, mm-hmm. then that's when, you, like I said, you get this massive windfall. So
0: that's like turning. the second cautionary tale in, in this.
1: It's it's almost like the conclusion. It's like the act f- four.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Deal with your problems. Yeah, or or take or else, out the trash early before right? it starts to because stink. he
1: didn't. He just went ahead and left. That's not dealing with your issues, man. Right. And, you know, you could even look at that. Like, did he leave because he felt guilty? Or did he leave because he was already someone in need of redemption and the worm was just the final straw? And he was like, this is the last sign I need from above here. So I'm going to pack my eggs and go fight in this holy war and see what I can make myself. (laughs) And see what I can make
0: of myself. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to go see the world. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, so you, Yeah.
1: there's so many. What? Yeah, what do you think about that?
0: <laughs> I, you know, I feel like <laughs> that's not the best, that's not my best segue, but I feel like we should just really get into some real creature potential.
1: Really? Well, there's so many, before we get into the real creatures, we have to discuss whether or not this could just all be folklore. Okay, sure. Right? Because there are other, very similar beasts of legend. Other ones. And... There are more than 20 of these folktales. Like, I would I would right range more, like, in the 50s to 100 ranges, probably. Oh, sure. But these all come from this, like, northeastern England, Scotland area. Uh, many of them obviously include this dragon-like worm motif. And it's it's always wingless, right? Which is kind of weird, because you think of a dragon as having wings of sort. but um, We do now, anyway. Well, exactly, yeah. But it's very interesting, because like the dragon of roads, or the worm of roads, or whatever you want to call it, and like the Lambton and worm, they are beset upon a village or a region, and this is something that terrorizes them for many, many years, before it is eventually slain. Um, so yeah, there's all these, I'll mention a few here off the... The girt worm of Shervard Wood.
0: Oh, the girt or worm.
1: Sher- Shervage Wood, which I'm probably totally mispronouncing. Uh, it,
0: I don't even it's think like, that's your It's fault. like
1: Meritage or Meritage. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, there are actually Scandinavian examples too and some from Ireland, uh, but they do tend to cluster around this area that we mentioned, Durham County, northeastern England, that type of yeah,
0: thing. Yeah, for sure.
1: There's also a really well-known Linton worm, this one is actually from Scotland, so this is from the 12th century, and again, it was said to roam lands in search of its prey, whether that be human, livestock, or whatever other convenient thing happened upon, mm-hmm. and it was, quote, three length, sorry, in length three Scots yards, and bigger than an ordinary man's leg, in form and color <laughs> to our corn. Or to our comm, sorry.
0: <laughs> and some, of these, some of these old...
1: <laughs> what is a calm?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: That was from the Scots clan, so... Yeah, they're... They got their own English going on. Right?
0: <laughs> it's a know. little bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> but I, that, I love the timelines of this, right? Like, that's what's interesting to me. It's almost sort of like, mm. well, okay, maybe... Well, what if there were some some entities like this that did happen to exist in very small numbers that were predatory that happened to be similar to creatures that do exist there Mm -hmm. that we can that we will reference in a sec. i mean 12th century same same idea Mm -hmm. yes you're scared of serpents because you're christians mostly but also if you see one it's going to be you know, if it's out of place, it's out of place. So it's like what's a what's a worm monster? You know, right? Like <laughs> I mean, a what's a worm monster?
1: And just to these uh, people. something without arms or legs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where are their arms and legs? It's, it's not, not okay. <laughs> All right.
1: I forgot to mention the sock burn worm. Ooh, the sock <laughs> There's not really anything to mention other does than that the fact worm, that it. Does that worm And that worm,
0: what does it do? Wrap around your ankles and just rub them <laughs> rub them mercilessly until you <laughs> yeah, have gonna... a really raw ankle, the sock burn worm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible pun i'm that's, sorry everybody that's, that's, bad. that's, that's bad. i had to oh, i'm not even okay. i mean i got my dad jokes lined up oh, already right. don't i
1: oh, okay okay <laughs> <laughs> well before i move into like things that may or may not actually exist well, actually, this one, I was kind of confused when you brought this up. i never heard of a lindworm before. <laughs> yes. And I was, I thought you were talking about an actual real thing, but supposedly this is not something that is actually being discovered. Well. It's cryptozoological de- in origin. Depending right? on who, I or mean. Nature, it's it's I been say.
0: discovered to those who have seen it. Okay. Um, but of course, you know, those people most, they don't often work for, uh, for the Institute's cataloging such things mm. uh, or taking specimens of things. But no, the lindworms. Oh, sorry Lind, Lind <laughs> it's actually Lindorm which essentially are worm-like creatures L I N D O R M that's okay. a Swedish it's the Swedish word for dragon and the reason this has come up in association with the lamp legend is of course because of the general description of these creatures being essentially wingless legless but still dragon-like you know massively strong snake dragon-like monsters and mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this uh, just from a paragraph from Uh, Cryptozoology A to Z from uh, Lauren Coleman. Hmm. So yeah, Swedish word for dragon, a creature which uh, in the 19th century, Scandinavia was believed to be very, very real and indeed uh, still does to this day, depending on who you're talking to. And it was something that people would encounter in the countrysides, especially near marshes uh, or bodies of water. Yeah. So very much similar to what we're dealing with today. In an 1885 book on the subject, a scientist and folklorist named uh, Gunnar Olaf Heitlin Kavallas he collected over 48 first-person accounts of such crea- of such a creature. Um, one of them even being from a member of the Swedish Parliament at the really? time. <laughs> Uh, Half of the accounts uh, claimed multiple witnesses. Uh, The Lindorms are described as 10 to 20 feet in length. Hmm. The body of a Lindorm is thick as a man's thigh, so pretty massive, black in color with typically a yellow-flamed belly. Uh, It was described as having a flat, round, or squarish head, a divided tongue like many snakes we know of, Mm -hmm. and a mouthful of white, uh, large, sharp teeth and a heavy, unwieldy uh, nature overall, but a stubby tail at the end, and apparently massive hypnotic eyes as large as saucers, and very much like the Lambton worm we're talking about today, described as very aggressive, very powerful, but very snake-like too. It would hiss and contract its body and lie in wait for its prey, um, so yeah, it's it goes on to say some other stuff, including that it would emit an overwhelmingly foul odor as a part of one of its biological okay. uh, things that it would do, and encounters terrified witnesses and for for years afterward. So there was a uh, early PTSD associated with similar. these creatures
1: like the head shapes on similar to like that salamander like head but obviously no reference to those nine openings or anything like that on either side
0: no but mm-hmm. i'm glad i mean you brought up sa- like so it, interesting like so those were yeah. spotted all over like, like scandinavia you know, norway scandinavia there's german accounts as well mm-hmm. obviously we've made reference to a alleged monster in southern europe on the islands of greece that's getting into more potential sea, sea monster territory too mm-hmm. but weird uh it you know and it makes you it makes you wonder if mr john lambton hmm. could have been dealing with what is was believed all the way into the 19th century and still today to be very real cryptozoological phenomena that are quite aggressive and did it, did From potentially exist, did potentially exist in Europe. I mean, climate, uh, who knows what mm. things, where they could have been at that time though.
1: No, yeah, that's actually, no, and? in parts of Europe and parts of Asia, that's a little bit more on the nose in this next one I'll mention here. And I'm just going to scoot this one right up to the top here. Sure, you know, I we're
0: talking snakes, so.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because like I, this is going to sound maybe a little bit silly to some people, but there is a cryptid creature known as a mysterious giant snake of north africa right and this is something that i wasn't really aware of you know you just well snakes have been discovered they're not cryptid creatures but there have been several accounts of these giant snakes that actually uh resemble a lot of um they're these giant predecessors that actually did exist millions of years ago so we're talking like times of the dinosaurs here um, no joke, there's actually legit fossilized skeletal remains of massive snakes. This is in the Mali area. It goes extends all the way from Mali till Egypt, these right. accounts of these encounters with these snakes, but also the legit fossilized skeletal remains in Mali. So, some of the records of these encounters with these giant snakes uh, date to the Roman Age, but some are actually quite modern as well. Right. And it's interesting because the latest reports actually come from mm -hmm, people you'd think know what they're talking about. Okay. Paleontological researchers, and this was made in the north of Morocco. So, interestingly... Uh, There's been vertebrae, there's been a jawbone discovered in molly that allegedly belonged to a very large snake. It's, okay, I'm going to butcher this name here, (laughs) but it's been proved to be one of what they call madtisoids.
0: Okay. And um,
1: yeah, it's been given the name Gigantophis garstini.
0: You, you know at the start um, yeah. of that name what it's going to be? Large. Gigantic. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this was calculated to be somewhere in the length of 11.7 uh, to 18 meters 18 long.
0: meters. That's
1: 60 feet. That
0: that's is, a lot. That is that's, freaking that's massive. Huge. So, like, I mean... Sorry, okay, go, yeah, continue. You know, go on. Go well, on, I was go just going to say, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, most like, even pythons or whatever, like, snakes today that get to ridiculously massive sizes are only pushing, like, seven mm-hmm. meters or something.
1: I know, and I actually didn't pull up those, uh, just reference points so that we could do the I comparison. have a couple
0: just, I mean, this is uh, super basic, but, like, even, okay, I just pulled it up, so, like, a, a reticulated python, one of the largest snakes in the world, uh, 7.67 meters, one of the largest on record, weighed 158 7.6. kilograms, okay, so this is, like, half. not even half. Yeah.
1: It's interesting because because of its enormous size, scientists believe that this ancient snake that did exist in in millions of years ago type times must have been semi-aquatic.
0: Millions of years ago type times. I love that very specific <laughs> on the nose <laughs> dating that we're working with here. This is the end of the portal dating system. Yeah, we'll have a rubric at the bottom in the notes so you can follow. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But it because it was so large, they thought it must have been semi-aquatic at the very least because okay. it would have basically been crushing its lungs and other organs under the weight of itself. Like, it's this massive trunk of a friggin' animal here. Even
0: with the oxygen levels being different back then, it's I don't know. Right? This
1: is what the experts are saying, not Interesting. Me. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not an exoskeleton,
0: so that makes sense, I guess. It's just a big-ass, heavy thing. I don't
1: know, man. I don't know. I don't know how all this stuff works, but it's interesting because this is a very real ancient snake, but this isn't something that would have existed in medieval times, in John Lambton's era. Hmm. This wouldn't have been something that's supposed to have existed today and there are sightings that are reported. Interesting. So are these misidentifications? We don't know. But, because some accounts say it may have been possible that this gigantophis, as they refer to it as, uh, may have survived in about 40,000 to 25,000 years ago during the Holocene era. Okay. Um, But, it could have been maybe less than 10,000 years ago. So there's like all these kind of like interesting. varying opinions on when this could have potentially died out because right. obviously we have this this one these very few piecemeal remains mm-hmm. that only provides such a such a minuscule part of the whole snapshot of this whole species,
0: right? Oh, totally. That's so fascinating. So
1: is that interesting though? It like, is. I I just had to pull that up because I was just thinking. I was like, you know, this is a stretch obviously, but If John had made the journey, he was, you know, in the Crusades, he could have seen something like this, or vice versa. What if, like, during a period of warming, because there were periods of warming that occurred in around um, the medieval, Medieval times. Oh my gosh, the Middle Ages. I don't know what I'm saying here. You just said but, it. Yeah. I can't decide what I want to say. Right. Usually, That's, like, yeah. I try to say both of them at the same time. Yeah, well,
0: have, my brain—it's it like the left
1: brain and right brain just going. <laughs> having a little whatever. But it's like
0: your brain's from the Middle Ages right now.
1: Maybe it's yeah. just
0: like how it would have been back then. Yeah, just just you know, straight confusion. Just guy yells at sheep. <laughs> what? I'm just That's kidding. not what I'm doing. I'm here. just kidding. Okay, continue. <laughs>
1: continue. So I was thinking about this and I was like, what if somehow. This is a friggin' reach and a half here. Okay, I like but what reaches. if somehow one of these giant ancient snakes or some of them managed to make their way up to England, in okay. the UK, during when they said right. You look at the geography and you're like, why? Amber, <laughs> like right. what are you talking about? <laughs> 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 okay, it's a okay. joke, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Is I had to throw though? it out there because I was like, in my head, I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, or what if? some of these things were found and then brought by humans up and then unleashed yeah. into the wilds yeah. of England. They probably wouldn't survive the winters, though, I'd imagine. I don't know.
0: Well, that's but, that's the thing. I mean, that's what makes I have to it... look into it a little more. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's tough to say, though. It's like, okay, th- there is that connection. I'm so glad you said it mm-hmm. because Crusades going through parts of Asia through North uh, North Africa all kinds of different pla- encountering creatures they would have never seen before mm-hmm. and definitely part of what the Crusades were doing weren't just going in there and starting and, starting and and, and and slaughtering people <laughs> basically they were stealing stuff but they were also taking things yes. collecting things oh, yes and all that pillaging and also and, and and presumably also just things of interest which would have been animals they didn't hadn't seen before yeah just like the Romans and stuff, bringing oh, yeah. the lions up and doing They're their thing. They're saving it
1: for the people of God, right? So, sure. You, know, you gotta, gotta make sure you do maybe that. Maybe
0: they, and so maybe actually that actually makes sense. So maybe the, the reason for trying to bring back some sort of a monstrous snake like entity would be for the opposite effect to basically be like, we've caught. Uh, the devil himself mm-hmm. and and we can parade that around as the yeah. as a as a triumph of the crusades to to the masses right yeah,
1: you never got any historical accounts of the pope being presented with something like that. Could you imagine <laughs> oh
0: man oh, that would man. presented the head of the basilisk basically i mean Ooh. that's cuz that's kind of like what it we're is. talking about here is like bit. giant monstrous armless doesn't turn legless, you to
1: stone though
0: doesn't turn you to stone mm-hmm. but it it did have some other similar things, like it's regenerative. I can't. I can't talk right now either. Regenerative. Regenerative. Regenerative.
1: Oh my god, we oh both can
0: Oh man, Andrew needs another glass of wine. Jeepers. okay. But just that, that was an aspect of the creature, though. Like it's getting, you know, John. Wears his suit of armor that he gets mm. recommended by this this seer in the in the woods or wherever it tells him to basically put every spike he can find on it. Yeah, when the thing wraps around him, it's getting severed apart. Mm-hmm. He's covered in its goo and ooze and nastiness from mm. from it being ripped apart as it's wrapping around him, mm-hmm. and then it's regenerating itself at the same time. Yeah. But it, it it couldn't quite at that point where John reaches the level where it's weak enough to then obviously mm. at least try to slay the beast or whatever right Mm -hmm. but uh it did have regenerative here here i go again oh my
1: gosh
0: (laughs) this is going to be one for the ages on into the portal (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's just there's over 25 species that can regrow limbs okay you know you know giant salamanders being one of them which are very real species in Mm -hmm. japan and i think a few other places where these things are freaking huge
1: They're not instantaneous regeneration. No, they're not instantaneous
0: regeneration, (laughs) but it is still regeneration. more
1: like the Leonard Bett style regeneration from X-Files. It takes takes
0: a hot sec. Mm -hmm. So could it have been something that just had this ability that was a very real creature? That was very, very
1: angry. That was
0: predatory and angry and large?
1: I don't know. We do have a few different options here that we've kind of pulled together that you know might speak to something that could be a real zoological phenomena yes uh, I did pull up one here it was I put in bracket non-brackets in and in like quotes here: giant <laughs> European eel because <laughs> I'm not actually sure who's calling these things giant because they're not actually that big <laughs> but I guess if you saw an eel that was a meter long you might call it a giant eel I, mean, I don't know it's I probably would think that thing was pretty big but
0: yes you would you these... would freak out
1: Yeah, these things actually exist, though. Uh, European eels, they are now uh, referred to as a modern-day, critically endangered species. Yeah. So could the lambton worm be one of these things? Um, And it's interesting, you look into the lifespan or life cycle, I guess, of these uh, European eels, Yeah. and they do go through various metamorphosis stages that are kind of interesting and it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like freaky deaky dutch kind of stuff going on but it really isn't it's just it's literally they're born as like these little weird not tadpoles but they're born as like little babies little baby little things and they take on a very lengthy uh, migration actually and they do go through this strange transparent fish form so they turn into fish but then they turn back to eels weird and then they yeah it's like these weird transparent looking fish which is kind of strange see but
0: this is like a perfect but. example of a real biological function happening that we can see that's a creature that lives in the river weir in in mm-hmm. the uk that is almost like that that's very strange you know what i mean it like that's, cool, yeah. and it's it makes you wonder like what else could have been much larger and in smaller populations that that could have been sent more to more, I guess, the semi aquatic at this point. Like these things are fully aquatic. Mm-hmm. The creature we're talking about today slithered its way yeah. on land and became a terrestrial terror terrorizer
1: yeah. yeah exactly and like i said like unfortunately these things don't get very big like about a meter long so it's unfortunate unless it was a genetic monster but you know but it
0: makes way. sense of something he would have pulled out of the river
1: that's what i mean yeah so that could maybe explain something he might have pulled out of the river and but that's, not the whole whole shebang
0: not but, the whole shebang no yeah. for sure we did mm-hmm. mention in part one obviously eel pies and and you yeah. know being a, a prominent uh, aspect of
1: but British culinary protected. things. These these European eels in particular are a this species, species now. of them, sure. Mm-hmm. There was
0: a few other things that I wanted to just list here that he could have been pulled out of the river or seen in the river that just made sense for it to be like monstrous. But at the same time, I mean he was an avid fisher, Mr. Lambton. So mm-hmm. he would have presumably maybe caught some of these things or seen them before. But I pulled. This was just from like a general article on uh, just creatures in in British waterways. There's pikes, Mm -hmm. which are extremely ugly, nasty-looking fish. Apparently, they can get up to five feet long, and Mm -hmm. they have super razor-sharp teeth. It's over five million years old and has evolved to ambush its prey. So these are at least aspects of this creature that we've been talking about. Aggressive. It's definitely Mm freaky-looking. There's also like other weird vertebrates. The oldest, which being the lamprey. Now we've referenced the lamprey before, hmm. I think, in our deathworm episode because it looks Probably. a lot like the deathworm. Yeah. These things are are f- so freaky, uh, and they obviously have long eel-like bodies, massive teeth. Uh, in like they're 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 monstrous looking so it's a
1: weird it almost looks like a shark's mouth but even more teeth like right. layers of teeth in a circular arrangement
0: yeah they're unlikely to attack humans but they but they do sometimes they can grow to over a meter long and they exist in the UK
1: mm-hmm.
0: well maybe we're dealing with some sort of a mutated version of this or something right mm. Lastly just of note here catfish. Which we know can get massive in the U.S. and people go uh, cat. uh, What's it called? Uh, Oh, yeah, catfishing. Yeah, I mean they go catfishing. There's a special like noodling or something. It's called where basically you use your hand to do it. Yeah, yeah. so you're not using a fishing line. You just just go sticking your hand under a rock and noodling in there and getting and getting a fish to clamp onto your hand. And some of these things Mm. allegedly have pulled people under and drowned them because Mm -hmm. these fish weigh hundreds of pounds more than the humans that are trying to take them down.
1: They're winning the battle.
0: Yeah, they're winning the battle. Mm. Apparently there was one pulled out of a uh, Norfolk waterway that weighed 122 pounds and was seven feet long. Oof. So there's definitely some monstrous things size-wise in these waterways that are very real. We've referenced things that this monster did that are also very real, like it regenerating its body parts, very much like salamanders or geckos and and all kinds of different all Mm -hmm. kinds of different things Mm -hmm. um but i do like your suggestion too, like of just potentially being species brought back and it's just the that again it's kind of a classic cautionary tale too like you don't know what you're dealing with this isn't from where you're from you probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't bring that massive african crocodile back that you took (laughs) three days to catch with like 40 crusaders because you thought it would be cool or something like that i I don't don't know. know
1: there were some uh people that had actually suggested that a crocodile or serpent could have been brought over by storms or currents Ooh. from Africa.
0: Interesting. So again,
1: another maybe it's not the the cryptid giant snake that I mentioned, but maybe it's an actual crocodile or something crazy that's come over because of a massive storm system or whatever. Like you know, or like I said, these warming periods that may have brought species up. Farther north, interesting, and then uh, and then maybe died out. Now in in modern times, right, because we had a cooling period after that, and they, so
0: and they just got a real liking to milk. <laughs> they just <laughs> took a real liking to milk.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's weird. The dairy aspect is a little strange. The, the
0: dairy aspect <laughs> is strange. Just were, bags of milk.
1: Yeah, I, I I had a couple of fun. Actually, no, just the one here that I wanted to pull up to The a Moroccan worm lizard, and there's no real. Things to talk about other than the fact that it has a worm lizard, like you know what I mean? Like it's a worm and it's a lizard. Like come on, right.
0: pick one lane. Pick a side.
1: But yeah, definitely not big enough. It is endemic to Morocco,
0: but it's still kind of a fun idea. It's I, t- out, <laughs> I like know? it. It is a fun idea. Tough <laughs> to pin down. Tough to pin down something real. Yeah. But it still reads that way to me in some in in some regard.
1: <laughs> There's something there.
0: There's some precedent here. Hmm. We really tried to flesh it out. Pun hmm. intended. Again with the severed flesh of the beast yeah. falling off of the armor of Mr. John Lambton, But uh, yeah, I mean, my final thoughts on this is just that, I mean, I just said it basically. Mm-hmm. I think that back in the day, there was an, an opportunity for a lot of these things that could have been very real to slip through the cracks and just become a part of what we see as pure folklore nowadays, because it was impossible to document it to the effect that we would be satisfied with today. Mm-hmm. And also the people then, would have been seeing it in a certain light and possibly documenting it if they did in a way that we would then read in the very much the same way as you're you're influenced by your christian morality and you think you're seeing the devil when actually you're just you're just crazy or other things like that Hmm. the only other thing i wanted to just hit on to finish it all off was the idea of it being I, i i do actually think and believe that it's possible that it could be very much a real curse very much a real physical entity that basically just latched on to john because of something else that was happening it became this story about not going to church but maybe you know mr lampton had been doing something else that he shouldn't have been doing worse than just skipping mass and that and that combined with the area being rich in history of both like witchcraft hauntings all kinds of crazy stuff definitely before the 1300s could have, like, played into the development of Hmm. this creature, this entity.
1: Interesting. I feel like you could even go the opposite way, where you could say, like, perhaps the Lamptons themselves were just, like, just had some serious bad luck. And then people, like, kind of, like, almost were, like, almost dreamed up the legend to explain this lineage of bad luck. They had to have a reason, yeah. Not that we have an extensive catalog of what that bad luck may entail, but, you know, we do have a lot of reference to it. We do know
0: that the people there knew about it, though. Yeah,
1: exactly. So we just might not have had that all recorded, unfortunately. Who knows?
0: Not the best era for reporting. Not the best era for reporting. Mm. We'll, We'll just never know. Well... We would love to hear what you guys think. Are we dealing with a real monster, a demon in monstrous form, a creature from the beyond, a massive ancient snake brought back from the Crusades? What? Uh,
1: just an amalgamation of a bunch of threads of folk tales, or what? <laughs> or I don't know. what?
0: Who or knows? What? Who knows? So, yeah, definitely hit us up. Uh, comment on uh, on hit us up on Facebook. Make leave a comment or send us an email if you don't mm-hmm. like public comments into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. And definitely follow us uh, on Instagram at Into the Portal Podcast if you don't already. Facebook is the same at mm. Into the Portal Podcast or Meta now. Weird, I don't mm. know. It's called that. I haven't seen the change. Apparently, that's that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Again, we haven't posted on TikTok yet, but we're at there <laughs> under at Into the Portal, so you can follow <laughs> us there as well. And please don't forget to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show yeah. on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Into the Portal. It really helps us out. And I had uh, I had this thought that. We used to read out some reviews, and we kind of stopped doing that. But if we get some awesome five star ones, I would totally want to give you guys some shout outs. So maybe we could do like a five star, like a five star Friday or something when we do like our (laughs) film Fridays back in action or something, and read out some some cool five star reviews from you guys. Start
1: chucking out some uh, some patches, and we got yeah. We'd love to
0: totally yeah. If you guys do that, we'll definitely send you hit you up with some stuff for sure. Um, And lastly, thank you so much to our producers of the show, Adam Kellum's Nightwing, Kitsune, Jackson Greenberg, and Molly the Dog. And uh, to all of our other Patreon supporters, thank you guys so much uh, for contributing to the show and making this a possibility. Mm
1: -hmm. And thank
0: you to all for listening as well.
1: Yes, we love and appreciate all you fine folks out there in the world. Yes, we do. And I hope, again, this is November 1st. We're heading into the dark season Ooh. and I hope everyone just had some revelry last night just to kind of like you know wind down fall even though it is technically still fall but you know what I mean
0: yeah we do it's, it's post October I'm, I'm so. kind of
1: mourning Halloween right now I took down the Halloween decorations earlier and I was like oh, I'm not ready for this
0: I was surprised they were down when I came home to be honest mm. maybe I'll have to get them back up <laughs> <laughs> Halloween year round alright you guys well thank you so much for listening to this episode of Into the Portal
1: your gateway to the bizarre